Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Now look at my front butt. today. I was, uh, no, it wasn't because of any riots here in the New York City. It's because of my own stupid feet. I, uh, somebody passed me by and, and I wasn't looking and suddenly there's a rise in the, in the sidewalk and I went, I went head, head, head down. Uh, luckily, it wasn't hurt too bad, but I did uh, uh, sort of like screw up a muscle in my, uh, in my ribs. So, so I'm hurting a little bit today, but I'm okay. I'm ready to do this. So no problem. Yeah. And these next two shows, well, yes, they're about current situation, but they're, well, this show is not as political as Thursday. Thursday, let's just say if you're white or easily offended, uh, do not listen to KSDAD's late night movie this week. Yeah, seriously. Uh, no question. I can't believe we're doing it either. Well, of course, I'm not saying what we're doing, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, throughout movie history, it's always been, that's always been one of the staples. What used to be a plot device nowadays has become, well, it got bad in the 80s making the dirty cop into the fucking cliche that it is today. Mm-hmm. It just became another thing to trip up the good cops on their way to dispensing righteous justice. Well, you know, I mean, I think if there's any particular movie that really put those tropes in the in, in the gear, it would have to be Serpico, wouldn't you think? Uh, no, that's one of those. When I think of the 80s film that did this, I'm thinking of stuff like, uh, 
Shakedown with uh, the Glickenhouse film with Peter Weller and uh, Sam Elliott. Okay. I mean, even the trailer has blatant lines like, you cops, you guys are the best money can buy. Oh, yeah. But, but you know, I, the reason I say Serpico is because, A, it's earlier, and, and more people are probably familiar with that than Shakedown. You know, and, and it's based yeah. on, supposedly, quote, based on a real story, and it kind of is, but it's not exactly the real story. No, but Serpico, if you ask Serpico himself, it's 99.99% bullshit. Right. Story is, as soon but, but, as he's seen... Uh, Al Pacino walk into the police precinct in the hippie garb and the pimp clothes and stuff. He walked up and said, fuck this movie. Well, of course, you know, I mean, it's not going to be real. But what I'm saying is that movie, that's the first movie I remember, okay, that really focused on bad cops. That wasn't a noir. That wasn't a noir. Bad cops right. and noirs have gone together like uh, peanut butter and jelly since noirs has started. But that's well, one the of thing the about noir setup. There's no goody goody person involved at all. Yeah. Ever. Everyone has an ulterior motive. Yeah. And, and, and that's supposed to set up then for the 70s. Yeah. You know. Which is the uh, decade that I grew up in. Yeah, I mean, you always got dirty cops in the noirs in the 30s and 40s. And one of the best, which you mentioned, is Orson Welles in Touch of Evil. God, I love him. Hey, I think that movie is absolutely fantastic. One of the greatest crane shots ever. Uh, uh, Just incredible. I think the only thing wrong with it is Charlton Heston as a Mexican sheriff, which I'm sure you have some issues with. Uh, no, the only that, thing wrong with it is that Charlton Heston's character was supposed to be the lead in the movie, but as soon as Orson Welles took over the role in the directing uh, job and took the role of Quinlan, he let his vanity take him over and let him be the lead. He was great in there. Fucking perfect, but still. Yeah. Yeah, but, but you know, I mean, they're not casting a Hispanic in that role. But nonetheless, uh, the the film is just tremendous. And if you're talking about corrupt uh, uh, policemen, he's got to be one of the top, to me, top ten. Now, yeah. There's a lot yeah, of them here. They didn't here. try I mean, to redeem him at the last ten minutes. He no. was a corrupt man, but he was still a good man when he started out. Yeah, right. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Whatever. <laughs> nah, he was fucking corrupt and he loved it. Yeah. He just... That's the thing where, you know, cops who are bad and love being bad... Uh, I mean, like, uh, I mean, you just look at it like in Detour and stuff. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. This yep, always, I, I this always, you know. You know, the other thing, too, where you see the bad cops is, is, is certainly in uh, gangster movies. And oh, God, yeah. One the of untouchables. Them, yeah, but one of them that I loved, uh, and, and I love the actor, and I can't remember his character name, I'll have to look it up, is uh, Sterling Hayden in The Godfather. McClough. He's corrupt as fuck. They don't worry Say about killing McCluskey. Why? He's such a son of a bitch that even the cops don't even like him anymore. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was his character's name, McCluskey. That's it. <clears throat> yep. He's one of the guys <clears throat> got shot in there. Yeah, there's like definitely McCluskey and uh, the Godfather... Uh, just you got a mafia movie, and you always got cops paid off. Oh, absolutely. You know, like they really didn't go into it into the thirty series, but in the movie, which is another film that's bullshit, but it's still a good fucking movie, The Untouchables, which is pretty much how Al Capone ruled Chicago. He didn't rule it with an iron fist; he ruled it with a green back. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and that's always real. Absolutely. If someone goes against you, make them your partner. Because mm-hmm. people are more likely to rise up against you if you're making them a buck. <laughs> right. And that's how the mob and the cops become corrupt, because of all of the laws that are passed in the U.S., and they pass some dumb ones. Prohibition fucked America up the ass hardcore. Yeah. Absolutely. Prohibition is the first time I ever heard anything referred in history books of victimless crime. Yep. But yeah, The Untouchables, our 80s movie... But in the 70s, good Lord, the dirty cops. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and of course, there's a difference between a dirty cop and one that's flawed. One that's that, that, you know, like you like to say, he's a son of a bitch, but he's our son of a bitch. Our son of a bitch, yeah. In the 70s, for that, has to be Dirty Harry. Yeah, but that's where we get the two hundred thing. We got the first one where he is a corrupt son of a bitch, but he's down there in the shit. He's dealing with the scum, you know. Right. Well, remember how he gets his name. He gets, he's called Dirty Harry because he gets all the dirty jobs. Yeah. And John Vernon is always up his ass like, we got to look good in the press. John Vernon was up his ass in a lot of films. <laughs> yeah, this was the first time where John Vernon really got his standard role, which is the officious uh, 
political prick. Yeah. And of course, best known as the uh, as as the uh, dean of Delta College in Animal House. Yeah, one of the kings of officious pricks. Yeah. <laughs> but he but did have you one know what? You... in Animal House, which is yes, they say I've got a stick up my ass. Well, that's because I like having it close at hand when I drag it out and beat the shit out of you. <laughs> but, you but, know, yeah, they were talking about... Harry, I mean, he does some over-the-top things, but, you know, he does it for the good. But yeah. he is a murdering son of a bitch in the second, first film. Within the first five minutes of showing him, he kills like four people, doesn't he? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, and of course the catchphrases and everything. I mean, you know, but but if you go to the sequels, I I think he they really watered down that character. Oh God! Uh, and That's I yeah, I was about to get into the Yang, which is Dirty Harry, and the Yang, which is. Magnum Force, where they had cop a whole group of cops acting like Dirty Harry did in the first film, but then Dirty Harry's like, "You guys are dirty and corrupt. I'm not." Mm-hmm. It's like it just took one yep. film to then to deball him. Just, yeah. oh no, we can't have that. We, you're a franchise now. And that's exactly what happened. You know, so so you take a look at Dirty Harry, right? And he's a cop that that is a son of a bitch, but ultimately a good person, but does things against the rules all the time. What other cops are like that? What other cops can you think of? Because I got one in a couple in particular I'll talk about, but I'm I'm open, leaving it open for you right now. Well, if you go into the '80s, you got uh, the guy. Not the guy, no, not the guys from Miami Vice, because they were ultimately hobbled by the rules. Uh, the guys from right. Lethal Weapon, right? Uh, well, Sam Elliott from Shakedown again. That's what, if you haven't seen that movie, you need to see it. That's one of the best action films in the eighties you haven't seen. Well, what I'm surprised you're not mentioning is Popeye Doyle. Yeah, but that's a long fucking... (laughs) Okay. Why do you think I'm giving you the lead? Go for it. (laughs) When is this? 1969, 1970, that the actual Rich Connection bust happened? 70, I think. Maybe 69, but 69 or 70. It was the biggest load of heroin ever busted at the time. I think it was worth about a million dollars in 1970s money. Yep. And it was busted by uh, Popeye Doyle and uh, his partner. So, of course, they had to make a movie out of it immediately. 
And this is where Which the bus comes in. But we're just going to talk about the movie for now. Uh, Gene Hackman's character is a real son of a bitch in the first one. Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite lines, ever pick your nose in Poughkeepsie? Yeah. Ever pick your toes in Poughkeepsie? Yeah, that's it. Toes, not nose. Okay, gotcha. And he's like, what? Pow! I mean, he does everything that, that you know, a cop wouldn't do in a modern movie. Right. And the only reason that we like him is that the other, the bad guy is a bigger son of a bitch than he is. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the angle they the played in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. How do you take and make your hero a son of a bitch? You make the guy who's going after him, that he's going after, a bigger son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Like going back to Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry's a nasty cop who's racist, and he kills people in the line of his job. How do you do that? Oh, I know. Let's make the guy who he's going after into a psycho who goes around killing people with rifles and takes hostage of a whole bus of school kids. But that leads to another big problem which Dirty Harry really didn't get over. And you know what that is, Carl? No, what? If you do that, the killer's always going to have the flashy role. Well, God damn. I, I mean, you know, the one thing about that is I think it's really down the middle because Dirty Harry has, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood. Of course, it's birthday today, by the way. Um, he has these wonderful lines, you know, make my day, you know, are you, are you feel lucky, punk, all those wonderful lines throughout the series. Uh, but this guy, uh, Andrew, uh, what's his name? Um, Robinson. I had Robinson, you know, there's no better villain in that series than Robinson. Robinson just eats it up, and he's so friggin' good in that role. He really, really is. It was because he outthinks Harry. Uh Uh-huh, and he does. And then he gets Harry uh, fired for... uh... Yeah, he's pretty much fired when he get when uh, he beat hires the black guy to beat the shit out of him. Right, which exactly. Which one of my favorite funny race lines ever. He's like, "Here's here's five hundred dollars," and the black guy's like, "I don't know if I can really beat you up." And then Robinson says, "Okay, censorship warning. If you got sensitive ears, turn it off." Oh, don't worry. I know you can do it, nigger. <laughs> and then the guy goes, thank you for making me enjoy my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, very true. So so we've got Popeye Doyle. I want to bring up another movie uh, just briefly since we're talking about Sons of Bitches. We are our sons of bitches. 
And and there's a lesser known film called Busting. And it's a uh film where a pair of detectives, uh, um, Robert Blake and Elliot Gould, go after this drug kingpin played by Alan Garfield. Uh, and, and our our wonderful Sid Haig is in it, and a number of people. And, and so, of course, Mash had come out, and and uh, he he also did the long goodbye. So, so Gould at this point is this smart ass, and they 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 also hook him up with Blake Smartass and so they always fought the rules they're vice cops so they're going after after uh, uh, Garfield and it's Garfield's birthday he's in a restaurant so what do they do they put his they, they torch his car and, 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 and go around singing happy birthday around the car okay that would get you fired and there's a lot more shit they do during this and, and yeah. ultimately you know you were saying the one thing is, how can you make these people, you know, likable? Well, you have a um, you have a gangster that's even uh, more despicable. And in this case, it's not true because Garfield is nothing but, uh, you know, polite to them and like saying, yeah, yeah, you're gonna get me. Go ahead, yeah, go do your best, you know, and and. At the end, it, it, the rules are so much that it breaks Gould and Blake, and they both they both uh, quit. And so, of course, who really wins on that? Garfield. It's it's a great little '70s film, and it is humorous, but it is also ultimately really depressing. Yeah. Well, if you get into the Italian Polizia, you'll definitely get into. Uh, depressing movies about cops. <laughs> you know? You know, that's one... You know, I really have to get into the police, yeah. Because I never really got into those too much. I mean, what I know of them is what you've told me over the last year or two. Yeah, well, they're hard to fucking see. They're always like the good guy who ends up uh, having, you know ends up turning into cold-blooded murderers because of the situation that they're in, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But getting back to the French Connection, yeah, even in the movie, even at the end of the French Connection, they pretty much say, they come as close as saying it without saying it, that Popeye Doyle cold-bloodedly murders the cop that's been fucking with him throughout the whole film. Yeah. But they do it in a way where they can say, oh, no, he didn't do that. <laughs> Even Friedkin said that uh, he didn't like that choice that the producers put on him. Remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, and he, and Friedkin's ending, he was just going to have him kill the freaking cop. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But what came out, what happened about four weeks after the bust was magically all the drugs from the French Connection bust vanished from the precinct. Yep, they did. 
and they turned up on the street more than six weeks later. And it turned out that possibly, I forget, did they convict him or not? I know he was uh, given retirement from the police force, but they never did blatantly convict Popeye Doyle being part of that conspiracy, were they? Did they? No, they didn't. They didn't. But, yeah, I mean, this is a whole story. Lumet told most of it. Then you would get into Serpico, who was the first cop to break the thin blue line. Yep. And the only problem with the movie is that the movie wasn't dark and bitter enough. Yeah, it that that's true. Because we do talk with Saint Serpico about it. He is one of the dark, he's one of the most bitter man men you could ever talk about. He's bitter about be actually doing the right thing. He's bitter about the cops letting him get shot in the face. He's bitter about the bullshit movie that was made. Yep. When he seen the movie and he had they had Al Pacino playing as like his hippie type character, Serpico was pissed because he was a true blue, across the board straight cop with a buzz cut. Yep. He just wasn't dirty. But then Serpico turned in some cops, and that caused some trouble. And then, well, we're going to go into another movie, which is Black Caesar. And who was that about? Oh, it's about Frank, um, Frank Lucas. Uh, Lucas, right? Frank Lucas. Yeah, and it ended up about eight, four years after that, uh, American Gangster came out, and they bu- and it's about how they busted Frank Lucas. And the one thing about Hank Lucas is that he hated the dirty New York cops because, in his opinion, those motherfuckers didn't earn a, a cent of the money that they stole from drug dealers, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. He's like, I go out there, I bust my ass, I bring in the drugs, I sell them, and then these motherfuckers just walk up and say, give me a fucking slice. Fuck them. So when yep. he was busted, he gladly sold out every one of the motherfuckers <laughs> that he hated. Yep. And in that fury, Popeye Doyle's retirement happened, and then we got to get into another movie. This is a complicated fucking ring we're dancing with here, aren't we, Carl? Yes, it is. That's why I'm letting Gordon you do Bart- it, because you're better at it than I am. Yeah. Gordon Parks Jr. put out a movie called The Super Cops about two of the cops involved in the French Connection bus called, what was their nicknames, Carl? Batman and Robin, right? Right. And it turned out that they were fucking 
two of the main thugs who were hustling and busting down the motherfucking drug dealers and pimps on the street. Yep. So when that information come out, that movie pretty much got buried. And it's not that bad of a movie. It's one of Gordon Park's better, Junior's better films. Yep. But you can see why the studio will be like, okay, we got to bury this one now. We don't want to be involved in that. Yep. And then we got Lumet's Prince of the City, which I like better than Carl did. It's not a bad film. It's, uh, you know, we've talked about Lumet. We don't need to get get into it at this point. Uh, I find them cold, uh, but that's me. Well, that movie is supposed to be cold. I mean, this guy, he get, he's one of the cops that were doing the bust down that Lucas sold up the river, and it turns out that he that he turned witness. And it turned out that the guy, the federal prosecutors, fucked him in the ass just as bad as they did the other cops. They, they He got fucked. Okay. Yeah. He ended up out of the cold. His wife left him. None of the other, other cops talked to him. If you really want to look about the best thing about Prince in the City, Jerry Orbach, as the dirty cop who doesn't rat him out, is fucking amazing in this. Yeah, Orbach is a really good actor. Uh, uh, didn't get the, 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 the credit I think he deserved, except when he was on television. And uh, 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 Law and Order, of course. And he has the last line in the movie, and it's fucking great. He's like, "Did they get you to turn? No. Well, what they do to you? Not a goddamn thing." And then the movie fades out. It's a good film. Yeah, it's a good film, but that whole thing is a gigantic mess. But that's why when it came time for French Connection 2, they made it. It went from a straight action film based on fact to a bizarre fucking art film. I love French Connection 2. I know it has nothing to do with reality. I understand that. Okay, I do understand it, but I love it nonetheless. I do oh, I'm not saying it's not good. I'm just saying it's like a, not not even a 360 degrees. It's like the 640 turf for the first film. And it oh, worked. absolutely. But the problem is, is a lot of people were pissed off that it wasn't the first film. No, that's very true. I mean, in this one, you had uh, Popeye Doyle getting forcedly addicted to drugs, and then that scene where uh, he quits drugs, and he repeats, uh, what was it, the Yankees lineup? Oh, listen, I I have to talk about that scene briefly, yeah. okay? So my father and I were watching that and was on HBO. We were up in the TV room. And so Hackman 
goes into this whole thing coming off of heroin, where he's talking about about uh, uh, Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle and the Yankees, and he just goes off on it, and you know, every other word is fuck. Now, my father did not swear. My father had a thing about swearing. And so each time I'm hearing that word and we're watching this, I, I, uh, I'm just shrinking. I say, oh, God, I'm going to get a bunch of shit from my father. And why am I watching this shit and that sort of thing? So the scene ends. And he turns to me and he says, I don't think I've ever seen better acting ever. From that scene. Oh boy, did I hit a, a sigh of relief, kids. Seriously. Yeah. Oh, yep. speaking of movies from the early 70s that have cops in it that yeah. uses the word fuck a lot, okay. does military police count? What movie again? Would military police count? Uh, he, yeah, 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 but he wouldn't let me watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's one movie he refused to let me watch. Well, I wouldn't want to watch that, too, if I would have been through that shit, you know. Yeah. And the one we're talking about is The Last Detail with Jack Nicholson. <laughs> No, Jack Nicholson and uh, what's his name who plays the black? Uh, Otis Young. Otis Young are just two utter unlikable sons of bitches. Yeah, but you know what? You do kind of like them. Again, it's the whole thing of, uh, you know, there are son of bitches, right? Son of bitches, yeah. We, we talk about them. And plus, we can understand about those tiny fucking victories. Goddamn motherfucker. Forgot to pull yeah. his own fucking copies. Stupid son of a bitch. You know? Yeah. And, of course, the most famous yep. scene ever. Uh, I am the fucking phone. Shore Patrol. <laughs> yeah, if you don't leave this bar, we'll call the Shore Patrol. I am the fucking Shore Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> the yep. last detail may be one of the most bitter movies I've ever seen. Bitter is... Yeah, it is. It is. And, and, and it's, a, it's a great film. And it's, of course, how I ask you. But you know what? We need, to, if we're talking about the last detail and we're talking about military police, we have to talk about the sequel. Because most people don't know there's a sequel to that movie. Do they? Yeah. It's a sequel without being a sequel because Warner Brothers owns the rights, the cinematic rights to the character. Right. So they had to change the character's name, but it's based on the sequel novel by Daniel Poinesson. Who 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 did uh, the last detail, and uh, it's called uh, Last Flag Standing, and was done I think for HBO or, or Showtime. It was it was for one of those, and it's Steve Carell, uh, and it's uh, uh, the guy from Breaking Band. Harry Bad, Grant. Uh, Branston. Yeah, 
and 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 then Lawrence Fishburne in the Otis Young role. And it's really good. It's really, really good. Yeah, both of those are good. And there's not much happiness in either film. No, but you know what? The the, the later film, you know, they've connected, though, even though they hadn't seen each other for a number of years. They connect and, 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 and it means something. You know, ultimately they go their own way, but nonetheless. Yeah. What was it he said? Cranston said to him, he said, You're the, he said, what I did for you is the only time I really ever felt like a fucking human in my adult life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And speaking so, of LeMad, LeMad loved his dirty cops with a conscience because he did a lot of them. And a lot of people whose favorite, well, a lot of us hardcore film nerds' favorites, if you go into the regular film fans, they'll love Serpico, Dog Day Afternoon and stuff. But those of us who are hardcore film geeks love the offense. Oh, my God. I was just going to go there. Yeah. Well done. That one is a hard-to-watch movie. Okay, and the funny thing is you have this American director, but he's in England, so he's dealing with the English uh, cops and and the parliamentary uh, style uh, courts. And it's Sean Connery, as a cop, and Ian Bannon as this guy they pull in that they think is a child molester. And it's about, basically, it's a two-character play. It's uh, uh, Connery uh, um, interviewing and and, uh, Bannon, and it is just brutal. It's fucking brutal. Even the ending will make you fucking depressed. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, And it's, it's both it's features is great, too. Okay. The Hill. Oh, yeah. Now, The Hill, the of course, is a, a war movie. that uh, Lumet and Connery made those back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, uh, offense is 73, the hill is like 65. Yeah, but, but the try offense to find anything, pretty much anything that Lumet did between, you know, they did those two back to back with each other. That's what I meant. Covering after. Yeah, uh huh. <laughs> but yeah, the offense is great if you can take it. I remember seeing that on, on, on HBO and my mouth was on the fucking floor. Because, of course, I knew Sean Connery from, from uh, uh, the Bond films. And, and, and I'd yet to see The Hill at that point in time. Uh, but, man, I saw that. It's like, holy shit. Seriously. Yeah. 
Connery has said if it wasn't for Lou Matt, he would have quit acting. Yeah. Because all he got offered after Bond was Bond, Bond esque roles. Until he did Sardos. <laughs> and the offense. Yeah. But yeah, in the 70s, you had a lot of dirty fucking cop movies. It just seems like they love that. They like they like deconstructing. And one of the weirdest ones is a mix, cross between Easy Rider and just Vanishing Point. Yeah, I know where you're going. Yeah, and it's one of Carl's favorites, and it stars Robert Blake. And it's called Electric Light in Blue. And uh, uh, what an electric light is, if you if you don't know, you're not a, uh, uh, um, a motorcycle person. It's a type of motorcycle that the police... And this is set in New Mexico, I think. Or Arizona, I'm not sure. I think it's New Mexico. Um, and uh, so Robert Blake is this uh, cop, motorcycle cop, who wants to become a detective. Uh because of his stature, he's considered a runt, you know, and, and like he, he, he's ostracized, but he's good at his job, but the other cops don't pay him much mind and don't like him and, and give him a hard time and just keep giving him a hard time, but he does his job, and then ultimately he's fucked by them. So, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, he's not as corrupt as them. Not at all. He's not corrupt at all. But he's taken down by corrupt cops, basically. Yeah. And sorry, sorry, Charlie, the the Blu-ray from Shout Factory, they have lost the rights, and it was in their... Sale, but it's already sold out. Yep. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a good one. I don't like it as much as Carl does, but it's still a good one. Those that like it love it to death. Oh, I, I do too. And the interesting thing about it is that it was the only only directorial credit of James Guercio. Who, do you know what he was most known for, James Squaresale? What? He was a music producer. And he was the uh, person behind uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Oh, cool. Yeah. So this is no Zachariah. No, not at all. Not at all. (laughs) It's a good film, and it also has one of the most depressing crane shots at the end of a movie you'll ever see. Yeah. But then again, it goes into that Easy Rider character. It's like, okay, we got to have a depressing ending because that's what people expect. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and I'll say this about the 70s, and I've said this all the time. It's the most depressing uh, decade on record. No question. Yeah, and... Everything was fucking... I've never really got into it before. You know why 
it rebounded so far into the 80s and Star Wars and Jaws bullshit. Oversaturation. They made too many of these dark, bleak, depressing films. Yeah, you, you know, Vicky, who, who who's on quite a bit with, with us, um, she just looks at me like, you're so stuck in the 70s. How could you like that decade? It's so fucking depressing. And of course, if we're going to get into dirty, corrupt cops, we got to talk about Fahrenheit 451, which depends on the version you are. If you read the book of Fahrenheit 451, the dirty cop, the dirty cop angle really isn't played up that much. No, they're just but doing their job. The movies, and especially the remake that came out. It's all about the corrupt society. Right. You know, she got a lot of that in the early set and set and more in the seventies fucking sci fi than the fucking cop films of the seventies. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, if you want to go into not so much cops but society. You know, you've got THS eleven thirty eight. You've got, uh, of course, nineteen eighty four. You have all those totalitarian. Well, no, uh, I'm talking about the seventies. I'm talking like uh, Logan's Run, a zero population growth. Yeah, uh, but that that still that still goes into what I'm saying because yeah, they're all totalitarian. You had more corrupt police forces portrayed in seventies sci-fi films. <laughs> Then you would but no, that's not film. That's not that's not unusual, Stephen. Because well, think about it. Those seventies sci fi films, how many of them are dystopias? When you say dystopia, that's the opposite of utopia. That means everything's fucked up and that means that society polices itself into oblivion. That means nineteen eighty four, that means CPG. That means all those movies you mentioned are dystopias. So, of course, the police are going to be on the side of the government, which is uh, oppressive. So and the reason I don't get 1984 is they didn't do an adaption in 1984 in the 70s. That wasn't until 1984. No, no, but, uh, but there were other ones, too. And you know, if I'm going saying. to put into the corrupt uh, lawgiver Hall of Fame... Richard Burton in 1984 is going to be in there. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yep. Agreed. Let's get back to cops, because we've sort of gotten off of that. Sam Peckinpah never did a movie about corrupt cops. No, the closest he did was... You um, think he would? uh, You think he would, but he didn't. Uh, The closest one he did was... um, The one was uh, Robert Duvall and uh, James Caan. Yeah, but they were... uh, Assassins. CIA. Yeah, CIA. They they were assassins. That's the closest he came to. Yeah. 
And even that movie is his lightest movie next to Cable Hogue. Yeah, very true. But yeah, you would see all that crap like, uh, well, assault with a deadly weapon, cop, cop with blue jeans. Cop with blue jeans, if you can find it, is a dark fucking movie. I don't know that. Is that one of the uh, policias? No, it's in the U.S. film. It's about this cop who ends up killing, who kills this, who's like a psychopath, but and he kills this girl, this uh, crook guy who's raping this girl, and he has to spend the rest of the movie trying to track down the girl and trying to kill her. So she oh, lovely. Turn him in. Mm-hmm. It's a great Well, you know what? That thriller. reminds me of one that I've forgotten completely about. What? Deadly Hero. That's it. Deadly Hero. Yeah, Deadly Hero. That's a great fucking movie. Yeah. Seriously, that that is a great film and it's forgotten. As Don Murray... I can't think of the, the girl's name, but it's also uh, James Earl Jones. It's not that he rapes her. He kidnaps her. Yeah, and, because and he so, killed the guy who was trying no, to no, rape No, 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 no. We're talking about different movies then. Okay. We're talking about different movies. Because she's a cello player. And he sees uh, her at a, at, at a uh, uh, concert, follows her, and, and kidnaps her. And they have this really weird sort of like kidnap, kidnappy sort of like deal. And then Don Murray comes in with a a bunch of cops and he starts to give himself up and Murray shoots him. Sorry, that's my other co-host there. Hi there. (laughs) So so anyway, that's Mouse, right? Mouse is always the mouse. Yeah, that's Miss Mouse. Okay, but but uh, it's a really good film, and it's called uh, um, Deadly Hero, and it's uh, directed by a uh, gentleman by the name of Ivan Nagy, who I really like his work. He uh, is a Czech director who came over, but basically went into exploitation films, and also some sexploitation films. Give me a minute. Let me move in. Sorry, folks. We got us the dog. My mother's been gone all day, and the dog's trying to kill her. (laughs) Oh, God. Hold on. There we go. That's a little more quiet. Oh, and here's a fun story. Do you remember Heidi Fleiss? Oh, absolutely. The New York madam? Yeah. Who was her pimp? I don't know. Ivan Nagy! Oh, nice! Nice! Yeah. But yeah, Deadly Heroes. He he definitely got into sexploitation in porn films. I, I, I have this thing with, like, really third-rate C directors who did all sorts of weird shit. And he's one of them. I love his work. 
Oh, and two of my favorite corrupt cops of all time have to be in the Mac. <laughs> cool. Those two guys played every dirty cop in a 70s exploitation film you could find. <laughs> Come on, Yep. Come on, Mouse. Mouse escaped the house. But, yeah, I mean, those two in the Mac are two of the meanest, dirtiest. I played before that one scene where where they basically caused Richard Pryor to have PTSD. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was like, motherfucker, you're going to shoot me, kill me now. <laughs> great, yeah. great movie. So, so there's somebody I need to talk about, because we talked a little bit about uh, French Connection, right? And we talk about the director. Well, the director gave us a couple more really bad cops. Okay, and, and of course we're talking about William Friedkin. Do you know who I'm talking about? Because this is one of my favorite movies of the 80s. What? To, oh, live, to live and die, and die in, in L.A. LA. Fucking uh, 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 William Peterson in that movie is so fucking corrupt, it's not even funny. Now, they're secret service agents, but they're still cops. What do you, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I love all... it. Because uh, Free can change it for that, to that bleak ending. Oh, man. I'm not talking about what happens to Friedkin's character. To, I mean, Peterson's character 20 minutes before the no, end. No, no, no. You're talking about Pankow. At the, right at the end, what happens with Pankow and, and yeah. the girl. Right? Yeah. Oh, man. That's fucking brutal. Literally brutal. Literally brutal. And, and that's that's an 80s movie with a 70s heart. Now, there's one other we need to talk about, Friedkin. And I think this one's a little over the top. Nonetheless, you got to talk about it. And that's uh, Detective Joe Cooper, played by Matthew McConaughey in Killer Joe. Don't talk about him, man. You make me want to uh, have a KFC. (laughs) Yeah, well, no, it's not KFC. It's barbecue chicken. KFC don't do fucking barbecue like like the Southern Boys. Come on. Yeah, but they say it's KFC in the movie. And after that movie, the KFC gives me uh, special feelings inside. <laughs> oh, man. Now, now you're talking, you're getting into pure, uh, you know, sociopathic uh, uh, cop here. Because he's basically a cop, but he's also a hired killer on the side. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that enjoys his job and you're afraid of him because of it. 
You know what I mean? Well, good God, Carl got bumped. He'll be back in there he is. What happened? Okay, it said, thank you for, for using Blog Talk Radio, and I was fucking off, man. <laughs> but, yeah, Joe's one of those guys that loves his job. Yeah. Yeah, but, 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 but again, you know, Killer Joe, uh, and, and that to me is the lesser of the two films. I, I really think that one of the most bleakest films out there that really talks about corrupt cops is, is to live and die in L.A. And that's based on an actual novel by a Secret Service agent. And yeah. and uh, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. Now, do you have any favorite corrupt cops in films, like your your two or three favorites? Oh, my two or three favorites... Uh... Let's leave the big one for the end. We all know what the big one is. Big two. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's his name uh, for the Living Dead in the Manchester Morgue? Oh, I can't think of the guy's name. But, but okay, go ahead. Tell him about the movie. Well, what it is, it's your zombie film, but the main cop thinks Ray Lovelock is a scumbag and a criminal and he's a murderer because he don't like the way his hair looks and everything. He is everything you hate about an oppressive hippie hating cop wrapped up in one big burrito of bullshit. Okay. You've seen it, haven't you? You know I'm oh, not yeah. lying. I own it. I, I, have, I have a couple cuts of it. It's one of my favorite zombie movies. And what I like is that it, the movie fucks with you because it has the hero getting killed by this dirty cop, the scumbag, before about ten minutes before the movie. And then it has that ending, which is the first time you've ever cheered for. <laughs> A zombie. Yep. It's a fun film. Steven? 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 Hello? I guess maybe Steven was cut off. Uh, so, okay, so we talk about uh, Manchester Moore. You know, that's not exactly where I would go, but, but of course, Steven, uh, uh, that makes sense, and he would mention that. Um the man's trying to tap into the show. Okay, you're back. Yeah. There, yeah, I covered. So, so who else do you like? Uh, all of the bad guys from Shakedown. Just they're just so scummy, and like uh, Peter Weller just walks in. He said, "You cops are the best money can buy." Yep. Okay, so I'm going to give you one of my favorites, and it's one of the biggies. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we were talking about Killer Joe, and, of course, you know, you're talking about a sociopath. 
So let's talk about another one of the big sociopaths and one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, the American cut was called The Professional, but the cut you want to see is the French cut. And that would be Leon. Leon. This, this is my number one. I, I thought this wouldn't be your number one. I thought we were going to go with uh, uh, Bad Lieutenant, Bad Lieutenant 2. Oh, never mind, never mind. Yeah, this is number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, this, yeah I mean, this, Gary this Oldman is, just steals this fucking movie. Everybody steals this movie. He's taking these horse pills and he's like, oh, this makes me sound like this. I like this. It makes Beethoven music play. And he talks about <laughs> classical music because he's murdering this family. Yeah. It, it, it is so good. And, of course... You know, the French cut of it is a little uncomfortable with the relationship with Sean Renault and, and uh, Natalie Portman. <laughs> but yeah, nonetheless. and it's actually cut. Yeah. And it's one of those times I'm like, well, bullshit, this is, wait, this is what they cut out? Okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> No, we're okay with that. Uh, yeah. But damn, you know, and, and of course, Gary Oldman, let's face it, how many characters has he done over the years that are just fucking over-the-top schizophrenic motherfuckers? Seriously. Yeah. How many? You know, Romeo is bleeding. Uh, uh, this. You know, Sid and Nancy. True romance. Oh, we love True Romance, yes. Why, boy, what do you think it is? Why, boy, day? It ain't Why, boy, day, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we love Gary Oldman. We we truly do. You know, or, or you know, uh, Nil by Mouth, if you've ever seen that, which is brutal. Uh, uh, yeah. Seriously. But he is one of my favorites. Now, I'll, I'll mention another one, too. Um, now Ray Liotta has played some basically plays a lot of scumbags and and and, and that now he also played Shooter's well, Joe Jackson seen, so, uh, well, well wait until I tell you what movie I'm talking about hold on so, so anyway I remember I went to this little movie I just moved to, to Maryland and I wanted to do something, and it was there, and nobody was in the theater, and I sat down and like two other people in the theater, and I watched Narc, and my mouth hit the fucking floor. You talk about one of the scummiest, nastiest uh, uh, cops ever portrayed on 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 uh, film. This is one of them, no doubt about it. And what I was going to say is, have you ever seen John Dahl's Un- Unforgettable? Um, you know, that's the one doll I have not seen. Ray Liotta cannot play a nice guy. He tries. He did play Phyllis but... Jackson. That's about the only time he ever has. But yeah, Narc. Oh, and uh, his co-star in it, Jason Patrick, plays another 
great scummy cop in a under in a forgotten classic from the under nineties, and that's Rush. Yes. I mean, it's a true story based on these two cops who were basically co-seared in by their boss into creating fake drug cases, fake drug cases to bust the guys they want to bust. Right. It's a dirty, nasty, sleazy film. And Jason Patrick is just... Well, hell, even Sam Elliott is scummier and shit in this movie. Yep. Not as scummy as the chief of police. I want this case made. But, but, he didn't do it. I don't care. I want this case made. Remember who played Captain Cheevers? The character you're talking about? Who? One of the nicest guys from uh, from uh, Die Hard. Ty McBride. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean this this movie is just fucking brutal, and it's really good. So it's basically an undercover narc dies, the investigation solves, and they bring back this guy who who. Uh, had uh, uh, killed a pregnant woman, and he he t- teams with Henry Oak, a uh, friend of the dead narc, and and uh, just completely, you know, a, a sociopath. <clears throat> and it's a nasty little film, and it's really, really good. You remember that one gridlock with uh, Tupac Shakur and Jim Belushi? That's a good one. Yep. And what that yep, is, folks, is that they play these two cops who end up murdering this drug dealer and robbing them. And then they end up getting assigned the case <laughs> to investigate who ended up. The guy they ended up robbing and killing was an undercover cop. So you have these two scumbag cops who are trying to investigate and find themselves, trying to cover themselves up at the same time. Oh, Jesus. So that's almost as crazy as, as, okay, I didn't think I would go here, but since you just came up with this one, I did not know that film. I'll have to check that one out. But, you know, there there's a science fiction film called The Scanner Darkly about a cop who's taking this drug who's supposed to find, uh, who's an undercover trying to find out where the drug is taken. So he ends up uh, basically uh, ratting on himself. You know, it's a lot more complicated than that. But, yeah, that's sort of what it sounds like. It's crazy. Yeah, that's the other edge of the coin. There's two sides of the coins, the dirty, corrupt cops or the dirty, corrupt system who ends up taking the undercover cop and anally raping them just so they can get their case. Exactly. Exactly. Or then there's two that I want to mention that are two of the sleaziest ones ever. And the first one is, what do you think when I say the name Lee Frost, Carl? What kind of movie do you think I'm going to be talking about? Uh, Love Camp 7. (laughs) Yeah. Or The Thing with Two Heads. The Thing with Two Heads. Nasty, disgusting. Yep. 
If you're a sensitive viewer, please be warned for the next five minutes. Have you ever heard of a climax of blue power, Carl? No. It's about a guy who gets a police uniform, who goes around and arresting women and basically forcing them to do whatever he wants them to. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it's a scummy, 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 scummy little movie. Oh, good God. Okay. No, I'm glad I kind of don't know that one. And the second one is one that you didn't even know existed until we had two guys on the show from... uh, our 90s DTV series, and that is Tim Ritter and the gra- the great Tim Ritter and the great Joel M. Winecoop. Yeah. And what movie would that be, Carl? Uh, uh, Bad Cop, No Donuts? Dirty Cop, No Donut. No, okay. This is about basically a cop who goes around just being scummy, harassing people for about 90 minutes while being filmed. It's like cops if they didn't censor it. Yep. I mean... Yeah, I wouldn't know this one, film without that. You know, I wouldn't know this film unless unless you had done that. Unless we had done yeah. those shows. And what do you think right. of that scene? Oh, my God. Yep. And what the scene is, it's on YouTube. Look up Dirty Cop No Donut. It just shows Joel standing there looking at this poor bastard working in a convenience store. And he's just standing there with his hand on his gun in a cop in a police outfit. And this guy is just basically breaking down, isn't he? Yep, he is. What do you want, officer? And he's just looking at him and looking at him. Oh. Yep. This is one of the. It's a great, great movie, but it's not easy to watch, and you will want to take a shower afterwards. Well, both of them. Yeah. Definitely. I will put a climax of blue power on your sinful dwarf blood sucking freaks list, Carl. Let's just put it that way. Oh. Okay, I nah, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> no, thank you. If you notice, most of the films we're talking about come from the nineties and seventies, because the eighties. We're a nice decade. It's besides ones like uh, To Live and Die in L.A., most of the cops in there eat were nice cops, you know. Everything was nice in 80s action films, weren't they? Mostly. Mostly. Now, you know what? We haven't talked about a couple. Okay. And there's one in particular, and there's been two versions. And, of course, one was in the 70s. Uh, and one was actually in the aughts, or maybe even in in in, in the tens. I'm not sure. Uh, but if I say the the name uh, uh, Jim Thompson, 
Oh, and then I say Stacy Keach. It was the seventies and the odds. Right. The seventies version. So I know you, you. You. So Go talk ahead. about it. That's why I'm giving it to you. The seventies had the best uh, version of the sheriff. Stacy Keach is just fucking brilliant in this movie. Everyone else sucks. Absolutely. Oh, no. Not true. Not true. Susan Tyrell, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, but she isn't, she isn't full Susan Tyrell in this movie. No, she plays it, you know, she's, she's the, uh, uh, um, uh, the, the, you know, her, his girlfriend, supposedly. Uh, you know, she has that one scene in there. But yeah, she's she's a little muted, but there's there's reasons for that too. She's very good in it. Okay, so go ahead. Just now the odd one. It's a fucking great movie. Joaquin Phoenix just isn't as good as Stacy Keach, but it's still a great movie. But I warn you, it's the not, it's one not is Joaquin, it's not Joaquin for a Phoenix. reason. It's a uh, what? The one, the alt one, is the NC seventeen for a reason. Oh yeah. Um, I'm trying to look who it was. It's Casey. It's Casey Affleck. That's yeah. who it is. Not not Joaquin Phoenix. My bad. But still. He is good in it, but not as good as Stacy Keach. Oh, is anybody good as Stacy Keach? Generally not. No. <laughs> We're just saying it we, may we love Stacy. Jim Thompson's darkest novel ever. And that's mm-hmm. saying something. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, you know, if we're talking about corrupt cops, we've got to talk about, about that one. Without a doubt. Yeah. And he's the motherfucker we're following throughout the movie through his point of view. Mm-hmm. Where he's yep. trying to rationalize all this evil, vile shit that he's doing. <coughs> and everybody thinks he's a good guy. He's got to tell. You know, at least, you know public perception, but then it all it all just crumbles. Well, isn't that how it is? Oh, yeah, the policemen, they serve and protect us. Public perception. Yep. But if you live in the poor neighborhoods or the racially divided neighborhoods, you get a different set of cops. Very true. Very true. Now, what's what's your thought? You know, there's a couple that we haven't mentioned yet that that probably we need to. Uh, and one would be L.A. Confidential. Now, I'm not a huge fan of the film, to be honest. 
What's what? What's your thoughts, Stephen? I love it, but you have to go in knowing that you're not going to get the whole story in that movie. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. It seemed incomplete to me. Bingo! That's what I just said. L.A. Confidential is pretty much the middle part of the story. He wrote a prequel after it and a sequel. But because Warner Brothers owns the rights to the characters to the in L.A. Confidential movie-wise, they can't get the movies they wanted to make off of the prequel and sequel off the ground because they don't own the rights to them. Uh-huh, okay. Because, uh, what's his name, the guy from, uh, Babe? Yeah. His character, Dudley, ends up being the main villain of the whole series. Right. And he's mostly behind the scenes in L.A. Confidential, if you remember. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. And it's a great movie, but like I said, the hard part, part is, is that it's the middle of it. Why Warner Brothers never did a sequel to a movie that had Oscar acclaim, uh, made them a shitload of money, I don't fucking know. Yeah, really. You know, another one too is is we 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 talked a little bit about Casey Affleck and and the color inside me, but his brother, of course, directed a, a couple of very uh, uh, Boston-based uh, films. Boston noirs. Right. One would be uh, Gone Girl, and the other one would be The Town, and both of those, uh, of course, have Gone Baby Gone. Too. Gone, baby, gone. gone That's it. Oh. Mhm. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. But both of those are good. And yes, Boston Noir is its own beast. And of course, we know, and it does have to do with dirty cops, dirty cops, dirty crooks, and just dirty motherfuckers from the top to the bottom. And what would be the number one Boston Noir of all time? Well. It's- like your favorite film of all time, that would be The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Yeah. And if you watch uh, The Town and Gone Baby Gone, both have a credit at the end of the movie, thank you to George C. Higgins and The Friends of Eddie Coyle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I also have to, if we're talking about The Friends of Eddie Coyle, i got to come out with one of my favorite films, of 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 the late aughts, early teens, and that would uh, that that would be uh, killing them softly, which is also based on a Higgins novel called Cogan's Law, and it has the best end line ever in a film from the 2010s. Yeah, but that's no more now about dirty cops. Just more about the gangster scene period that Higgins was involved in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (coughs) 
But then again, of course, you know, you're talking about the gangsters. Higgins left uh, law enforcement because they were they were basically turning their eyes again uh, with Whitey Bulger, you know, and he was he was their main guy and and he was dirty as hell, and so the cops were also, if not exactly dirty, were certainly implicated in everything that Bulger did. They weren't dirty. All they care about is bust, getting their bust, you know, getting their right. files, you know. Yeah, but by turning their their head and and letting Bulger go and all the murders and everything that he did, they're culpable. They're culpable. Oh God, yeah, that's uh, what the he ratted them out with the friends of Eddie Coyle. Yeah. That's why Higgins. Hell, left. even in the movie, he's like, he's like, don't you care about justice? It ain't about justice. It's just about how many hits you get in your file before you get promoted. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. And well, Agreed. even uh, it, no, it was Lethal Weapon three. Lethal Weapon three that had the dirty cops, and that movie sucked. Yeah, agreed. You know, just like Magnum Force, we talked about it earlier. All oh, those God. dirty cops in, in that movie sucks too. But let's talk about my favorite. You know, my favorite good dirty cop. There aren't many, <laughs> but you know, going back, we were talking about Touch of Evil at the beginning of. Uh, the the podcast. You even go back earlier, and uh, there's a wonderful film that we all should know and have seen, and that would be Casablanca. And Claude Rains is Captain Louis Renault. It's one of those guys that basically is getting paid under the table. He's corrupt as would be, but <clears throat> he also has. A code of honor, which 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 finally turns out well, and and of course he has one of the best closing lines ever in a film. You know what that is? You remember what that is, right, Stephen? Yeah, round up the usual suspects. <laughs> yep. And every time I hear that line and see the end of that movie, I just smile. So you know, it, there you know, a movie that was taken from that line. Yes, there was. Round up the usual suspects. Yeah. Originally in Casablanca, his character was supposed to be shot, and st- and the same with the, along with the Nazi captains. Then they got away, and then. Uh, what's his name was supposed to disappear into the fog to go Rick was supposed to disappear into the fog mm-hmm. but they liked right. uh, Range's character so much they decided to let him go yeah I mean you, you have those guys where where you know they're, they're corrupt they don't do things the way they should but you still like them and that's that's true. Thank God they never here. did do the sequel that they had written the 
Velma pretty much uh, afterwards. Uh, uh, well, you know what? I don't know if it's a sequel, but there's always Capablanco. Uh, uh, maybe That's I shouldn't say that. That's the exact same movie. I know. And it's awful. It's it's a shame, but it's awful. Now, you know what? I've got to call you out on something. Uh-oh. Okay? So we've been talking about this, this podcast for a couple of days. We've been on the phone. Gonna, and you know what? You have not mentioned one movie that I expected you to mention. You haven't what? said it today. You haven't said it yesterday or the day before. What? I'll give you two words. Denzel Washington. Oh, Training Day, yeah. Okay, so talk about Training Day and Alonzo Harris. Oh, God, yeah. I love it. He starts out, you think he's a semi-good guy. And then by the middle of the movie, you think this guy is the motherfucking devil. <laughs> yeah. And don't well, forget give us he an idea. What? Give give us an example. Basically, the whole movie is him setting up uh, Ethan Hawke to take the fall for this robbery that they're doing, and that he's basically the hired thug for the guys who are really in charge. Okay. Who ends up killing and robbing Scott Glenn at the end of the mo- at the middle of the movie? Right. And don't forget another great film where he plays a dirty cop that sort of redeems himself. Okay. The Mighty Quinn. He's not dirty in that. Yeah, he takes the bribes from M.M. Walsh and the rich white people. Well, I guess he does. Oh, well, okay. I love that Uh, movie. Yeah, okay, fuck it. And that's another (laughs) good one. Very true. And there's Devil in the Blue Dress where he doesn't play a dirty cop, but he has to deal with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know what? There's there's a bunch of films that he was in. Uh, um, that one and, 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 and <clears throat> just forgotten 90s stuff that he's so good in. Really. I'm sad I forgot two of my guys who are basically dirty cops and who are leg breakers, and they were Dirty Harry before Dirty Harry. Okay. And they were so violent that they gave them two names. Okay. One was called Coffin, and the other oh. was called Grave Digger. And one is that, oh, yeah. for one, you dug your grave. And the other one will just put you in your coffin. <laughs> yep. And that was Chester and that, Himes. That, they're Green. great cops. Yeah. Chester Himes, Coffin Ed Lover, and Grave Digger Jones. Yep. Those guys were never portrayed as nice, good cops. In any of the movies or books, were they? No. They were not. 
Cotton Come to Harlem is a great movie. Well, so is Come yep. Back Charleston Blue and uh, A Rage in Harlem. Oh, my God, slap me. What? A 1992 movie about a cop who becomes a corrupt, uh, undercover cop, drug dealer. And I haven't mentioned it any of these three days. What? Deep cover! Oh! No, you have not! Yeah, yeah. How can we fucking forget this? We should both slap ourselves. Seriously. Oh, wow. Well, you you just have to stretch your legs, so. <laughs> yeah, really, or or just you know turn right now with my fucking rib cage. But yeah, I mean, it's just deep cover is basically a descent into hell. It's, such it's a got. Denzel Washington's character who starts out with the best intentions. No, no, not Denzel Washington. I mean, uh, da, 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 Lawrence Fishburne. Or Larry Thank Fishburne, you. as he's called in that movie. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I can't see him as a Larry Fishburne. He's just got that voice and everything. He's a Lawrence. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, he it's plays horrible. a cop who... Uh, goes undercover to do good. And Charles Martin, who's the bigger scumbag in this movie, him or Charles Martin Smith? Oh, Charles Martin Smith, by all means, is the bigger scumbag. Yeah. All he's oh, a yeah. political beast. Mm-hmm. And those of you who like course- Jeff Goldblum, God, Deep Cover's one of his fucking best roles. Oh, absolutely. Goldblum. And let's not forget our, our friend from Barney Miller. Yeah. And Sidney Lassick. Yeah. I mean, just that line of his, not the one you think. It's like, oh, my God, David. So what? <laughs> <laughs> that I wasn't expecting, you know. Yeah. And then, of course, Clarence Williams III. Third, yeah. Talk about the scene between him and Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, yeah, where he's sitting at the table and stuff, and then he starts riffing, and Lawrence Fishburne is fucking lost. (laughs) Basically, he's interrogating him, and, and Williams is a cop. And so you're expecting, and I, and, and uh, so is Lawrence Fishburne, you know, you know, this tough cop. And then all of a sudden, what's the line? The first line is Carlos Williams the third says to him. He's like, is it I like, think you should file a complaint against me. What? Yes, <laughs> I was excessively rough with you. I think you should file a complaint against me. <laughs> And then then, of course he pulls out his kids and tells them how much he loves Jesus. Yeah, and there's Lawrence just looking at Bill like, 
What the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck, Bill? (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. One of the best non-cursing things ever. If you're trying to kill my beautiful Nubian children, I'll be on you like stink on (laughs) doo-doo. It's so wonderful. And I don't know, I don't know, and I don't think any of us knows if that was actually scripted or was improv or was a combination of both. Uh, Bill or said if, that it was improv. Okay, Bill, it's beautiful. Yeah, he, yeah, he said that uh, Clarence just went up to him and said, let me try something in the next scene, see how it works. And Bill's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> so 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 Fishburne had no idea. So no. so the idea. What do you so think he just went you, white and was just looking lost through most of that scene? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Uh think about it. So he improvs that scene and yet that's a part of his character now. He's Christian, you know, you know, doesn't swear and that sort of thing. That makes that whole ending even more important. It really yeah. works well. I wish that a good edition of that movie would come out with commentary. Just damn. Oh, hell yeah. I've, I've got the bare bones one, of course, that came out in the 90s. I don't think there's any... Has there been any other edition of that? I don't think so. No, just that bare bones one that came out in the 90s that we got. Yeah. Fucking great movie. Seriously great film. Yeah. Now that that needs to get a... Uh, 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 get a DVD. Uh, Blu-ray. So here we are at 8.30, by the way. And I think we've got to go through our first couple of big ones. The ones okay, we've been saying. You know well, what well no, these are now yours because I, uh, basically I've gone through every one that I've needed to go through. So at this point, you know, it's going to be Harvey Keitel and uh, Nick Cage. Right? Yeah. And there's one that we're forgetting that... Uh, because he's such a scumbag and corrupt, and the other character, it's like Shane Black said, let's take a, bu- a buddy cop movie, except let's make our two heroes unlikable scumbags. And what okay. movie would you get out of that? I'm not sure which one you're talking about. The Last Boy Scout. Oh, Okay. I didn't like that movie. I know, because uh, I love it, but they're not likable people, you know. They're not. Yeah. But there's one thing I know that you loved in that movie. What? Taylor Negron is the bad guy. Oh, well, well, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. He steals that film. He literally just walks away with it. He's it's wonderful. just that Bruce Willis and David Wayne's characters are so fucking unlikable that it's kind of hard to like, you know, get in touch with them. 
an ex-cop who's nothing but an alcoholic scumbag whose wife is screwing around on him? Yep. And Damon Wayans is a drunk, is a junkie ex-football player who whose girlfriend gets murdered by trying to get stuff to blackmail to get him back in the NFL. <coughs> yep. Though it has got some of the funniest lines ever when he wakes up with the dead squirrel on his crotch. Yep. Either I was drunk last night or I screwed a squirrel to death. <laughs> I, I Yeah, I just don't like it. Don't like the film at all. Oh, I can understand. And of course, oh, we can't forget Samuel L. Jackson and the Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah, yeah, but he's a to me he's a flawed cop. He's not a bad. Oh, he cop. isn't. He fucking steals the drug money. He admits it in the movie, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say he wasn't a big flaw. <laughs> yeah, I like that. He's like. Did someone plant the money? Hell no, I stole it. Some bitch didn't have to turn me in, though. <laughs> oh. Now, one, yeah, one other were... thing before we get to our talk, too. Yeah. So I have a question for you. I was thinking about this the other day. So go to to the Marvel Universe for a second. Okay. And and uh, or is this DC? I, I I can never remember. But the Punisher, who is a former cop. That's Marvel. Well, yeah, that's actually, Marvel. if you want to get into the Punisher, look at the Executioner, because basically okay. the at, the Punisher is a rip off of the Executioner, ex Vietnam vet whose family gets killed, so he goes psycho and goes to kill every mafioso that he can get his hands on. Right. So, so was the ex- executioner a comic first, or was it a movie first? It was a pulp novel series first. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Men's men's adventure. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, along with stuff like a destroyer and things like that. But yeah, the yeah, okay. executioner was a great fucking series. Who Marvel when they ripped it off? Of course, the guy who created it said, you can't steal my ship. So they basically sued him, saying that he stole from them, even though his books came out four years before The Punisher came out. Yep. I I hope he got got some sort of payoff or that sort of thing. Yeah, he did. Good. But, yeah, I mean, that's another thing. Once the executioner ripped out, they... When they made the Punisher in the movies, they had they changed it to a cop. I don't know why. Trying to make it better rather than a psychotic ex-army guy. Mm-hmm. If you watch uh, the Netflix series, they don't make him a cop. No, they don't. He's, he... But but uh, in, in 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 the movies, he is, and I like that one movie. Um, the last Warzone. one, not not uh, which one? Warzone. Warzone. I like Warzone. 
I like Warner. Yeah, if we'd actually got to see the uncut version of it. That's true. Very the true. only problem I have with Warzone is that the guy who plays the Punisher is good, but he's in a completely different movie than the fucking guy who plays Jigsaw. Oh, absolutely. It is a little... Uh, it's a little like a whip, whiplash uh, yeah. in, in, in uh, tone. Absolutely. But, yeah, number two and number one are tied, and that would be a remake and the... Well, not a remake, just a riff. I don't call it a remake more as a riff on the same thing. It's it's Werner Herzog. It's not even the same thing. I'll argue that as we get into it. Yeah. In the early 90s, this movie came out, and God, was it controversial. It was NC-17, so it pissed <laughs> off people that were, you know, pro-police, which we pretty much were after the Reagan era. Mm-hmm. And then it had severe Catholic themes, which pissed off the Catholics. Because they can Okay, who was the director of this? Who was the director? Abel Ferrara during his golden period. So doesn't Abel, like, piss everybody off, like, generally? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. This is a nasty Nasty, nasty, mean film. And God, do I love it. The Bad Lieutenant. We've talked about a couple of films today where you need to take a shower. Uh, No, you need to take a shower. You need to get baptized. You need to go up to outer space and come back and get desanitized and then take another 10 showers and you might be okay. Yeah. What this is about is Harry Harvey Cottel plays a dirty cop who's basically on the verge of hell. There's no way that he's coming back and redeeming himself. Within the first 20 minutes, he robs a... He, he's a racist. He steals from the blacks who are stealing from a store. He rapes two yeah, underage he- girls he catches stealing a car. Uh-huh. And, and not only that, he, he takes cocaine and heroin and everything yeah. he can find. But then he gets caught, caught in this case of this nun who gets violently assaulted by these two guys. And she won't testify against them because she forgives them. Mm-hmm. And that just fucking breaks his head. Yeah. That's always one of uh, Abel's biggest terms is the right is what is redemption, and do you have the do you have the right to redeem someone that's done wrong by you? Absolutely, and forgiveness too. It's about forgiveness too. Yeah. Um, redemption, forgiveness, they're both connected. Um, it's a really rough film. I, I have seen it one and a half times, and that's more than enough than, for me. 
No, I, I, I don't, you know, the lie that it's a great film. It certainly is. And if you have a, a, a slight uh, uh, inkling that you want to see Kaitel completely frontally nude swinging his pecker, uh, you could see that too. Um, but it's, it, it's just unpleasant for me. There are just some movies that are just too unpleasant for me. And this is one of them. Yeah, but if it wasn't unpleasant, it wouldn't have worked. No. And you're absolutely right about that. And yes, I have seen it. I think it's a good movie. But you know what? I don't have to see it again. I love it more than you. I mean, to me, the most uncomfortable scene is where he's uh, doing coke in his living room and then his mother walks up and catches him, wakes up and catches him. Yeah. And they have that awkward moment where they decide what are they going to do and they just decide to ignore each other. Right. Yep. It's a nasty, it's just a purposely uncomfortable film. No. Oh, no. And then there's people that fight after the film. Because he does what he does, does he redeem himself and go to heaven? Or does he not? Yeah, I prefer Abel's explanation, which is, are you fucking crazy? Of course he's still going to hell after all he did. Yeah. One good deed, if you can call it that, does not overwash 99 99 bad moments. You know, but, but, you know, again, if you talk about the Catholic religion and and you talk about that specific uh style of uh Christianity you're talking about contrition and and is he contrite at the end and and and, and if he's contrite and he asks for for true forgiveness and he's contrite about it then the idea is yeah he goes up to heaven so abel always fights about that abel abel has real problems with and it's a tough thing to go by because, you know, you see these these sons of bitches who get get you know everything they want and shit like that, and suddenly you know at the end they find Jesus. Are they contrite about it? And well, they go you know, and of course Abel says no, no fucking way. So I get it, absolutely. Yeah, you don't find a single atheist on death row. No, you don't. More than a foxhole. Yeah. Very true. (laughs) So, of course, number two, and I don't mean that literally, number two, but uh, a port of call has Nick Cage, and it's a re sort of a rethinking of the whole bad lieutenant by Bernard Herzog, who is one of the more unique directors out there, and whereas. I can't really go through Bad Lieutenant Abel Ferrara. I could certainly get through Werner Herzog's because, you know, the one thing about Werner in this movie is he's as bad and nasty as Harvey Keitel is, but this is just way too fucking wacky to to, to, to take seriously. This Did movie you ever is wacky. That it has two titles? The movie has two titles. Okay. 
That's because originally its title, if you watch the movie, the end credits just says Port of Call, New Orleans. Okay. That's because the movie is Port of Call, New Orleans. But the producers had the right to do a Bad Lieutenant sequel, and they figure Bad Lieutenant is a known property, so they would slap that on there. But, uh, you know what, the thing is, uh, Werner Herzog wouldn't have done it unless there was the bad lieutenant on it. You see, he he wanted to take that idea and and play with it. And come no, up with Werner something had nothing to do different. with it. He didn't like it. That was just forcibly slapped on there. See, I, I I thought it was you know I could be wrong because uh, I've never well, read anything. Well, the end credits. I mean, it just says Port of Call, New Orleans. No, I know that. That means the movie was complete as Port of Call, New Orleans, but then they decided to put the more exploitationable title on it. Okay, so, but am I right? Is this like wacky as fuck? Oh God, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about wacky, shall we? Let's talk about iguanas. (laughs) Hey, manana, iguana. Yeah. What the fuck is there iguanas doing on my fucking table? Ain't no iguana. This is a fucking iguana. Then it has an iguana saying, please release me, let me go. Yeah, or or what is it? The dancing. You know, when people are dying, he sees the the the, what is the blue light or something like that. It's been a little while since I've seen it. You know the scene I'm talking about. Yeah, I was about to quote it. The best line in the movie: "Keep shooting him. Why? His soul is dancing." (laughs) And then it cuts over, and the fucking soul is dancing. <laughs> With some Cajun Zydeco music playing. <laughs> it's but what happens is uh, <coughs> Nicholas Cage plays a cop who, in saving this guy that they left in jail during the flood down in New Orleans, ends up hurting his back bad, so he ends up getting hooked on. Painkillers and becomes corrupt because of corrupted because of that. Mm-hmm. And the last line of it will destroy you. I mean, that last line just destroys you, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Sometimes I get weak. It's a good film. It's a yeah, good both film. of them and are it's... good films. And if you didn't see it because they labeled it a sequel to Bad Lieutenant, remember, it's not. It's not. I have never understood that mentality in film fandom, Carl. What? That, that you know, you don't go see see the sequels because you don't like the original? No, because I love the original. How dare they make a sequel? How dare they remake this film? 
Yeah, but you run across that already. You know, I mean, uh, jumping, you know, completely different here. But I posted a couple of days ago, they've, they've announced that they're going to do a, 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 a remake of the movie musical, Fiddler on the Roof. And everybody's yeah. like up in, up in arms. Well, why would they want to do that? You know, they're allowed to if they want to. Tell them why they think say- why they think they shouldn't have done that. Tell them why. Full disclosure. Because they think the movie is perfect. Bullshit. The, I read those I posts. Everyone but you said why are they remaking the movie? The movie was a piece of shit. Everyone that's not true. But you read, read the. You know, you're the one that doesn't like the movie. You're the one that doesn't like the movie, and that's fine. Uh, uh, I read your post, Carl. None of them were glowing (laughs) that movie. (sighs) Okay, fine. I'll find it. Give me a minute, okay? By the way, uh, fake Carl news. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're not doing swing these days, but we can, by the way, maybe next time. Um, but let's see. Let's see if I can find that. He won't because so, his his glowing little happy world doesn't exist. My happy world always exists. You know why? Because I have cheese. <laughs> <laughs> if I have cheese, I am happy. Okay, here we go. So I'm going to read you some comments. Friend of mine, a good one already exists. Another pointless remake. I can't imagine anyone but Topo on the screen. I don't see it. An almost perfect one exists already. Almost perfect, in my opinion, because Jewison failed to cast Zero Mostel in the role he created. And then, of course, there is one guy that agrees with you, and that's Tom Hartman. And, and he's then Arthur, the my, my son, yeah. And then Arthur, Arthur, my friend Arthur, says another movie, really? So no, most people agree with me on that. So, bleh. <laughs> and here's the real reason why I think they shouldn't remake it. Okay. They can't make musicals for shit nowadays. Period. Across the board. Well, there, there, you know what? There's a rebirth, man. Everybody's doing it. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It just is. No, I'm just saying they don't know how to film a musical. <laughs> it's a goddamn miracle that Sweeney Todd turned out as good as it did. Yeah, but you know what? They had Chicago... Uh, uh, once, which was a good film. Uh, oh, uh, there's a number of them out there. You know, it's, it's weird. Anyway, we're at a point now. Um, is there any other uh, cop movies we should mention? Or we all uh, basically. No. Can... We pretty much got I think we're good. If you want dirty cop movies, go, go to the 70s, 90s, noir. Definitely noir. You'll find your oh, belly yeah. full of noir. 
and to all of you little people who think, oh, this is new, these riots, this is horrible, this has never happened in America before, go look your history up. It won't take you that damn long either. Nope, it won't. Not at all. Hell, Boston Tea Party. We founded this nation on fuck your shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very true. And yeah, we got 11 minutes left, so let's really announce where the hell we're going on Thursday. There was what we're going back to the 70s to a movie about revolution that was so incendiary and in your face and rubbed your face into it that the FBI itself got it banned. Yep, very true. Yes. In these incendiary times, we're going to be watching The Spook Who Sat By The Door, one of the most angriest movies (laughs) ever made. And if you watch, if you look it up, the trailer's from hell. It's done by Bill Duke himself. And he says, Mm -hmm. I don't know how the hell they made this movie. (laughs) Really, it, 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 it is it is an amazing film, um, and it's angry, and, and and it's based on, and, and a lot of it is based on facts, uh, uh, in terms that they did hire uh, when they first uh, broke the color barrier in the FBI uh, and the CIA. Uh, you know, basically a greeter was all they were. And it's a really interesting, interesting uh, uh, film, and it's angry, and it's nasty, and it's wonderful. It also has a really good score by Harvey Hancock. So, so definitely should watch it. But yeah, it's a it's a dangerous film, even even today. Yeah, this one is going to piss off people, folks. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for listening. And oh, oh, wait a second! Before we go, can I can I hey, plug what? something on DLN? Yeah. Oh, pimp your shit, pimp your shit, brother. <laughs> okay, so Tuesday, uh, over at uh, Deviant Legion, uh, going to uh, and this will be uh, at one o'clock Eastern time in the afternoon. But it'll be released uh, uh, later in the night. We're going to be doing a list of the movies you love that we hate. And that includes myself uh, and film uh, uh, um, author and and reviewer Noel Vera. And uh, Bill Reynolds will be with us too. And so we're going to go and have a list of five to ten movies that you love and we're not too fond of. And uh, so that would be a lot of fun, I think. So we're going to do that on Tuesday. Okay? 
Yeah. And, and why do you have forget what Adam is doing? To be honest, but I don't want to swell. But I don't want to sell that deep into the season's film snobbery. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever. Whatever. Uh, you're you're allowed not to come. That's fine. Uh, and uh, we're going to have fun there. So anything else coming up? I know that Adam has a show next Friday, but I'm not sure yeah, what it Adam is. Yeah, Adam has his show next Friday. Otherwise, we're clear until Thursday unless something horrible happens or something big comes up. And I hope to God that nothing doesn't. Cause yeah, and i got a couple things right online that, that I'm working on right now to get, get ready for the next couple of weeks. So, so we're back in the swing of things right now. Well, you're not. You're hobbled. Good God, son. Don't fall again. Yeah, damn. You should you should see my knee. It's fucking fucked up, man. But I'm okay. I'm okay. All right, Good. folks. Yeah. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Thanks, Steve, for having me on. Okay, bye.